Shema Yisrael, Yahweh Eloheinu, Yahweh Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is the word of God for us today. Now be honest, how many of you were hoping that the whole sermon was going to be in Hebrew today? I know there were a couple of you. Well, today is, is week one of Believe, um, this 30-week series that, uh, that Pastor Brant kicked off for us last week, and now we reflect on, on chapter one of the book that we've been reading of, of God's word that is teaching us to think and act and be like Jesus. The first 10 weeks of our 30-week uh, series focus on thinking like Jesus, and chapter one is simply entitled God. Now asking a pastor to preach a sermon on God is kind of like asking a chef to prepare a meal that consists of food. It's a pretty broad topic. But it's where we must start because the first step in thinking like Jesus is agreeing with him when it comes to who God is. Uh, One of our booklets, the companion devotional book that, that goes along with Believe, Uh, in the very first chapter, quotes theologian A.W. Tozer when he says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And he's right. And as a matter of fact, what what comes into our mind when we think about God is also the starting point for thinking like Jesus. And so our key idea for this week, uh, we have a a key idea and a key verse for every week. Our, Our key idea this week um, is this. So if if you would read this with me. I believe the God of the Bible is the only true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now as I looked at this, uh, three kind of key points were part of this key idea. Number one, the idea that God has revealed himself to us through his word, through the Bible. Number two, that God is the one and only God, And number three, that God is triune, that he is three in one. Well, today we're going to be focusing mostly on that second point, that Yahweh, the God of the Bible, is the one and only God. And we'll be doing that by using one of the most significant verses in the Old Testament, uh, Deuteronomy 6.4. You've heard this verse a couple times already today, and we're going to hear it uh, a number of times more. So uh, every time this verse comes up in the message, if you would, uh, I will read the first three words, Hear, O Israel, and then I'd invite everybody to join in as we, as we read the rest of the verse. So let's do that now. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now this verse, and actually uh, what follows it as well, is known as the Shema, which as you heard is the first word in the verse in Hebrew, meaning hear or listen. Now throughout history, the Shema has been absolutely crucial for Israel. It it is their credo, their main article of faith. It's the basis of their entire worldview. In fact, observant Jews to this day still recite this verse twice daily. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
These words were first spoken by Moses to the Israelites as they prepared to go into the promised land. Into the midst of a people whose whole lifestyle and culture was driven by their belief in many false gods. The Israelites were heading straight into the very heart of paganism and idolatry. It is against this backdrop then that God emphasizes his oneness, his unity of being. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So what exactly does it mean that Yahweh, the the Lord, is one? By the way, when you're reading in your English Bibles and you see the word Lord in all caps, what that means is that they are translating the Hebrew word, the Hebrew name, Yahweh. So what does it mean that Yahweh, the Lord, is one? Well, first, it means that the Lord alone is our God. Yahweh is the sole object of our devotion, regardless of whatever may be going on around us, regardless of whomever or whatever our neighbors may be worshiping or adoring, Yahweh will remain the only God for us. Kind of like when a wife says of her husband, he is the only one for me. But that's not all. Not only is the Lord one in the sense that he is our God alone, the Lord is also one in the sense that he is absolutely singular and unique. The Lord is superior to all false gods and the only one worthy of worship because he is the only one who is real. Martin Luther points out that this verse essentially restates the first commandment in a positive sense. So a chapter earlier we get the Ten Commandments and uh, instead of you shall have no other gods before me, here God says, I am the only God. And therefore, I am the only God you should have. Whenever we have other gods beside him, all we are doing is making our own counterfeit of the one true God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so as we begin walking through this believe experience together, this is our starting point. Yahweh is our God, is the God is the only God. Yahweh is not one of, he is one. He is everything, and and if he is everything, then he must be everything to us. So let me ask you this. Do we live like it's true? Do we live like God is the one and only God in the entire universe? Do we live like God is the one and only God in our own lives? The next verse in Deuteronomy 6 uh, describes what ought to follow from the fact that, that Yahweh is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Jesus will later say that this is the first and greatest commandment. But what does it mean? What does it look like to love God absolutely? Well, in the ancient world, the heart uh, was actually considered the the seat of your mind. It was uh, what you used to think, what you used to reason. Your soul uh, was considered not like we often think of it today as as kind of the part of you that's not your body. The the soul was, was considered the essence of who you were. And then your might was, was the full capacity of what your heart and your soul were capable of. 
And so we see that to love God with all our heart and soul and might is to love him with every ounce of our being. This verse is basically saying, love the Lord your God with everything you are. Everything you are. Everything you are. (laughs) This means everything on the outside of us, how we act, how we speak, how we interact with other people. But it especially means everything on the inside of us. Our inner dispositions, our emotions, our intellect, everything. Just as Yahweh is undivided unity and and alone is worthy of worship, so we must have undivided loyalty to him. What we're talking about here is is sheer wholehearted devotion. When we do weddings here at St. Lawrence, there's a part of the service called the Declaration of intent. When the bride and the groom declare their intent to give and to take one another in a lifelong union. And one phrase that always stands out to me during that declaration of intent is when the couple promises that this commitment means forsaking all others. This wholehearted commitment to God that we're talking about today is full-fledged forsaking all others kind of stuff. Because he is the one. Imagine if you took your wedding vows but then decided to go hang out with an old boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe, you know, spend the night over there a couple times. If you don't forsake all others in your marriage, you're hardly married. And you're certainly not treating your spouse as if he or she were your one and only, worthy of your full devotion. In the same way, we are God's treasured possession do we treasure him is he special to us is he beautiful in our eyes is he worth leaving everything and everyone else behind is God truly our one and only to love the Lord like this is to love him not just apparently but actually not just partially but totally Just as God has loved us, not just apparently, but actually. Just as he has rescued us from sin and death by the blood of Jesus. Not just partially, but totally. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. So are you living this out in an evident way? Because people notice one way or another Kids notice if their parents love each other and are faithful to each other. They also notice if their parents are faithful to God. That's why Moses will go on in Deuteronomy 6 to talk about how absolutely vital it is to pass our faith along to our children and to carry God's word with us everywhere we go. Our children watch and they follow And so do others. It's simply not enough to go through the motions. We must truly love God and devote our entire lives to him. And while our kids and while other people are watching and learning from us, there is one who looks and sees even deeper. God looks at your heart. And he's not really interested in half of it. He wants the whole thing. Does he have it? 
Martin Luther has famously written, the confidence and faith of the heart alone make both God and an idol. In this one sentence from his, small cat, or his large catechism, Luther teaches us that, that there is a fine line between true love and worship of God and idolatry. That it all comes down to the object of our heart's trust and faith. Which is, by the way, exactly what the Bible means whenever it uses the word believe. One of the readings from this week's chapter was uh, from Joshua 24. It was a reading we actually heard in last week's services. There Joshua reiterates for the people after their conquest of the promised land what Moses had emphasized before. Highlighting the uniqueness of Yahweh amidst the pervasive idolatry of the times. He recounts God's deeds on behalf of his people, how he had rescued them, and and then urges them to worship Yahweh alone as a result. And the way that Israel responds to Joshua that day ought to be the cry of our hearts as well. So, in fact, let's read these words together. Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Now, based upon this response of Israel, you might be inclined to think that that the Israelites had wiped out all of the idolatry around them, purging it from their presence. But they hadn't. Despite their God-given victories, idols remained in their land, and as time would demonstrate, also in their hearts. How about today? How about our land? How about our hearts? We may not worship Canaanite deities today, but, but maybe we do give part of our hearts to other false gods. Do we love Jesus as much as our smartphones? Do we find it easier and more interesting to talk about our favorite sports teams than we do to talk about Christ with others, even other Christians? If we spent half as much time reading the Bible or, or praying as we do on Facebook or Twitter or something like that, how would our life change? How would our hearts change? How, how would they belong more fully to the one, the only one, who has a true claim on them? We have plenty of false gods ourselves. Last week, Pastor Brandt pointed out our biggest false god of all, ourselves. As Luther himself wrote, Yes, who is there who does not fail in both respects, in having, as well as in loving, one God? But let's go back to the Shema. We've been focusing on the the second half of it, that the Lord is one. But we dare not skip over the first part, the Lord our God, or the Lord is our God. Yahweh is our God, but why? Not because we chose him, but because he chose us. He is our God because just as he made Israel his people through no merit of their own, he has also made us his people through no merit of our own. In spite of our idolatrous hearts, our our faltering devotion, our self-love, God has loved us selflessly. Today, he directs us once again to the place where the one and only God spread his two arms atop a hill with three crosses, where the Father hid his face and the people of God wept and mourned, where all hope was lost, and yet where all hope 
was born. So hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. People of God, there is one name by which we can be saved, the name of Jesus. And the bearer of that name has claimed you, your heart, your soul, your might, every last bit of your being. He has claimed you when you were baptized into the one name of the one true God who is one in three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There at the baptismal font, Jesus claimed all of you, even your sin, taking its weight and burden upon himself. When you struggled to cast away the idols of your heart, he carried them up a hill and executed them there for you, casting them as far away from you as the east is from the west. The almighty creator of the universe, Yahweh, the one and only to whom all things belong, came in your flesh and died on your cross to make his divine declaration of intent to you, to make you one with him. Back to Luther again. Thus, through oneness with God in faith, we receive everything freely from God. Through love, we do everything freely toward God. What a privilege this is to do everything freely toward God. One way that we hope you'll be able to do that with us these next 30 weeks is through the belief cards uh, attached to your service folder there. Uh, Pastor Brandt uh, introduced these last week and uh, he promised last week, as you might remember, that you'd have another opportunity uh, after some further reflection to pledge that you want to think, act, and be like Jesus. So if you take a look at that card, you'll see that, that you have an opportunity to, to either make that pledge again or, or for the first time today. Uh, so we would invite you to do that, to make your declaration of intent uh, to want to, to think and act and be like Jesus uh, today. In addition to that, uh, you'll see that below that, I'm inviting you to consider two very important questions. Uh, the first is, what is the one thing in your life right now that makes it most difficult to love God with everything you are? And once you've given that some thought, what is the one step that you will take this week to remove that obstacle or cast away that idol? Now, I realize that this is pretty personal, and if you'd prefer not to share this on, on the card, now that's certainly okay. And uh, I'd ask you in that case simply to, to really consider that very seriously in your own heart. At the same time, I, I would hope that, that the church could be a place where we, we feel free and unafraid to share some of our struggles. Uh, certainly that can be very helpful for ourselves. It can also be very edifying for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, so what we'd like to do with, with some of the responses that, that you provide, that we provide really, uh, is to share them on the screens prior to the, the service. Now, we will not be putting anybody's names with their comments, uh, but we are hoping that, that this will allow us to see that, that you know, we're not the only ones struggling with a particular spiritual challenge and, and maybe even benefit from some ideas of how to, to let the Lord help us to tackle those challenges and, and in the weeks to come uh, to, to share some other feedback with one another. 
So uh, if you're willing to, to share that, we'd love that. Um, if you have your card filled out by the time the offering baskets come around in, in just about 60 seconds or so, um, you can deposit it right in the offering basket. Otherwise, uh, we still have the Believe boxes, and those will continue to be there in the coming weeks as well, that you can uh, stick those in there at the end of the service. No matter what, uh, remember this today. The Lord is one. The Lord is all in. The Lord wants all of you. And he has all of you. Because he has laid claim to every last bit of you by the blood of his son. We have one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And so just as Israel responded to God's acts of rescue by worshiping him, we do the same. We love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and might. And as we do that, we don't rely on ourselves. We rely on the one who gave his entire heart and soul and might for us. In other words, we believe. I love how Randy Frazee in that devotional booklet puts it. He says, I have no backup plan. It's all on Jesus. Another way of saying that can be found in the the very complex mathematical equation that I provided in your sermon outline, which is also the title of an excellent book. Jesus plus nothing equals what? Everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. He is our one and only. He is everything. And he is everything we need. In Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the peace of our Lord, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.